Come on, a new series is beginning this weekend called Kings and Queens. This is going to be the most powerful series we have done yet. Did you know in the Bible, there was 108 kings that were mentioned in the Bible? 16 queens, 108 kings. I don't know, that seems off to me. There should have been more queens right next to those kings. But the bottom line is that these men and women, they served nations, they changed nations, they wrote laws, they impacted generations, and they were called to lead, they were called to rule, they were called to reign. And as I was praying about the word to bring to our church leading up to this year, I heard God say, you need to speak on the kings and the queens in the Bible. And there is a word, a prophetic word for the church that's going to flow through this series. And I can't wait to release it. I feel like today we're just getting started. Next week, we're going to dive into one of the most important kings of the Bible, the lessons to learn. Because at the, at the end of the day, you and I, we are kings and queens. The, the Bible says you and I are royalty. You may not feel like it. You might have come in today feeling a little tired, feeling a little weary. But you got an, an invisible crown above your head. And you just need to adjust that crown a little bit because you are royalty. Turn to someone next to you. You are royalty. Come on. If we serve the king of kings and he invited us into his family and he adopted us, that makes us royalty. We've got royal blood on the inside of us. Paul said it like this in Romans 5.17. If you got Bibles, go ahead and make some noise. You can open your Bibles. Romans 5.17. Paul said, listen, if the, if the trespass of one guy, if the sin of Adam caused us all to walk in defeat. If the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, who were designed and created by God, but because of their sin, because they gave in to their flesh and their temptations and they got distracted, because of their sin, death reigned, defeat reigned, discouragement reigned, darkness reigned, depression reigned, sin reigned through that. How much more those who received God's abundant provision of grace. When Jesus showed up, he broke the power of darkness. He broke the curse of sin. He destroyed death. He destroyed depression. He destroyed defeat. And listen, you and I, weren't, we were not born to live in defeat. We were born to reign in life. He said, if you receive the abundance of the grace of God and the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. So I'm looking at some kings and queens in the room. And you and I, we were born to reign. We were born to rule and reign. And I don't mean to rule and reign, you know, over each other with a dictator mentality. I mean to reign over your flesh, to reign over those desires of the flesh, that you would have authority and leadership in your life, and that you would be a world changer, that you would be a history maker, that you would make a dent on the world, that you were not created to live aimlessly on accident. No, you are here on purpose because you have a purpose and you are a leader. Turn to the person next to you. You're a leader. You're a leader. You're a leader. All of us in this room, we are leaders. And the reality is we are leading someone. You may not realize that you're leading someone. But the most important person you lead this year, the most important person you and I will lead, the most important person these kings and queens would lead was not their spouse, not their kids, not their country, not their coworkers, not their boss, not their employers, not their managers. The most important person you lead is who? You. You, if you can't lead you well, you can't lead others well. If I can't lead me well, I can't lead my kids well. And I'm telling you right now, your future is begging you to start leading your present better. Your future is like there's a prophetic word over you, but a prophetic word over you requires a prophetic work from you right now. 
What is a prophetic word? It's saying there is something in your future that's going to happen, something great. How many believe that your best days are in front of you? you got something great ahead of you. God wouldn't leave you alive on this earth so that you could walk into defeat. No, he wants to take you from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Your best days are in front of you, but that requires you to start leading yourself today the way that God calls you to lead you. I remember as a kid watching my dad and mom lead, and they were just amazing leaders, the founding pastors of our, of our church here at Victory. And I remember sitting down and asking my dad, Dad, teach me about leadership. How do you lead so well? And I remember talking to my mom, how do you lead so well? And, and, and where do you get your leadership? And my dad would give me these books by an author named John Maxwell. How many of you guys have read some John Maxwell books? Yeah, this is a guru on leadership. And if you haven't, you got to check them out. Um, we've got some of his books in the bookstore. But I remember reading this one book, and he said he was in a room with all these leaders, bosses, CEOs, pastors, um, uh, people who oversaw lots, thousands of employees. And they asked him a question. They said, what's the most challenging thing you've ever faced as a leader? What's your biggest challenge you faced as a leader? And he said, leading me. Leading me is the toughest challenge I have faced and that I still face today. Now, he said at first, you know, half the room was kind of shocked, surprised. Like, that's your biggest challenge? But the more seasoned leaders in the room, they, they nodded their heads. They said, yeah, that makes sense. Because they could trace all of their failures in life back to the mismanagement of how they led themselves. You see, the common denominator in all of our mistakes and all of the habits that we haven't broken yet, all of the habits we haven't started yet, all of the things that we want to do that we haven't done yet, the common denominator is you, <laughs> And at the end of the day, if you don't learn how to lead you well, then you'll never be able to achieve the, the promises, the possibilities, the potential that God's put inside you. So if we're going to be great kings and queens, if we're going to reign in life, we've got to learn how to reign over ourselves. We've got to learn to have self-control. We've got to learn to lead ourselves first. And one of the biggest hindrances to that that we're going to talk about today, one of the biggest, um, I think, most important things in our life comes down to how well we can focus on what God has called us to do. How many of you guys have a hard time focusing in the room? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, when I go to the store, like I went to Walmart not too long ago, I go into the store and I just get distracted. Like I just, I start looking at all kinds of stuff and I forget the reason why I'm at Walmart. I'm like, what am I even doing here? I'm just lost. Especially, or even when I'm like sitting down, I'm reading my Bible, I'm trying to pray, I'm trying to study God's word, I'll have my Bible open, I'll be sitting down in my living room, and I'll just like, you know, start reading, and all of a sudden, distractions start to show up. How many of you guys are with me on this? Like, they just come. I hear something. Followers you have on Instagram now? Wait, I'm in the middle so, of a sermon right now. You should start a TikTok. Wait, you are distracting let me, let me right finish. now. Just imagine. TikTok? Imagine you on I don't TikTok. need to. I, Renegade. No, I've already got enough distractions with. And who are you? Guys, I'm like, what's this? You know, the Elevation Church has a call to the Wait, I love you guys, but I'm, I'm in the middle of a sermon right now. I need you guys to get away from me. I am trying to preach a sermon right now. I am, I am at church right now. Stop distracting me. No, 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 no. You guys got to get out of here. You guys got to get out of here. You guys got to get out of here. Out, 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 out. You're out. 
Give these guys a big hand. Come on, how many of y'all can relate? The distractions are constant. And they never stop. And they're always, and the enemy is in no hurry to destroy you if he can distract you. I want those distractions to come back out, but to um, not talk. <laughs> I got to catch my breath here. Um, for me, I have realized that the most valuable commodity in my life is my attention. It's not my time. It's not my money. It's, it's not my resources. It's my attention. The most valuable currency we have is our attention, our ability to focus. This is why Hebrews 2 verse 1, he says this, we must pay the most careful, what's the word? Say it again. One more time. We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard. Why would he say this? Because there is this distractive culture. There's this distracted society. There are people that have, have said that right now, the most effective companies in 2020, the most successful people in 2020, it won't come down to what they know. It won't be information. Information is not the most valuable commodity. It won't be money. That's not, that's not the most valuable currency. Like it's not the American dollar, the Chinese dollar, the Canadian dollar. The most valuable currency, the most valuable commodity, your greatest asset will be your attention. And we live in an attention deficit society, an attention deficit generation. And I wonder what's stealing your attention today. I wonder what's trying to distract you from your purpose. What's trying to distract you from the lane God's called you to run in. Paul the Apostle said this in Corinthians. He said, um, we all know the athletes that compete in the races. This is 1 Corinthians 9, I believe. He said, we know about these athletes that compete in the races, and they put themselves in strict training, right? They, they train themselves. They are so strict with what they eat. They are so strict with how much sleep they get. I remember ministering to a guy down at our altar who was going to play in the NFL. In fact, he was already an NFL great athlete. You would know his name if I said his name. He was here at church last year down at the altar call, and he was talking to me, and he was with his wife, and he said, I am so strict with my diet, I am so strict with how much time I spend in the gym, how much time I spend practicing football, how much time I spend um, uh, uh, sleeping. I, I am so strict on this, and yet somehow the enemy gets in here. And this is what Paul was saying. He says, athletes, they're, they're competing for a crown that will fade, but you and I, we're competing for a crown that will last forever. This is why it's so important to start eliminating the distractions that are hindering you from finishing your race. So Paul says this, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. In other words, I'm going to lead myself well this year by stop allowing any distraction to hinder me from the race God's called me to run so that after I've preached to others, I don't disqualify myself for the prize. So if you're taking notes and note takers are history makers, I want you to write down in your notes, what's distracting me? What's distracting me? What's stealing my attention? For some of us, it's sports. This is constant. It sits on the throne of our hearts. We have ESPN on. We're watching sports games all the time. It steals our attention from our wife, from our kids. 
It steals our attention, even from God, from the church. It's like we just can't turn sports. Uh, sports matters so much. Sports drives our schedule. So whatever sports demands us to do, we will do. We bow down to the king of sports, the queen of sports. And there's nothing wrong with sports, but I'm just wondering, is it sitting on the throne of your heart? Has it become the number one priority in your life? Again, all of these things aren't bad in and of themselves, but when they sit on the throne, they start robbing you of your rule and reign as a king, as a queen. And what we're going to find out about King Saul, King David, King Solomon, Queen Esther, the Queen of Sheba, Queen Jezebel, King Ahab, all the queens and kings in the Bible, King Herod, all of these queens and kings, they would rise and they would fall based on their attention. Whatever captured their attention captured their heart. And whatever captured their heart would drive their behavior and drive their life. So maybe it's not sports. Maybe it's housework. Maybe the second that God's got this carved out time for you to spend time with him, to pray, to read your Bible. Or maybe you got this carved out time to spend time with your, your kids, with your family, with your parents. You're immediately distracted. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. This was Martha in the Bible. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus was at her house. And Martha and Mary, they're there. Mary's sitting down listening to Jesus, just enjoying church. Martha's distracted. She's got her mind on all the housework she's got to get done. The laundry, the dishes, cleaning up the room. I got to take care of this. I got to take care of that. She was a task-oriented personality. And it's okay to be task-driven, but you've got to recognize if tasks is sitting on the throne of your heart, robbing you of that precious time with Jesus, it is robbing you of the very thing you need to accomplish the tasks that are in your life. Maybe for some of us, it's friends. Friends are ruling and reigning. They're distracting us from our purpose, and there's nothing wrong with friends. My question is, what kind of friends do you have? Do you have healthy friends? Do you have good friends, friends that push you towards victory, friends that push you towards walking in victory in your life, or friends that are pulling you away from your purpose? I remember talking to this one family years ago, and they said, you know, we're going to stop the church thing. I said, why? And they said, well, our friends are stopping it. So we're stopping it. I said, just church and general. Yeah, you know, our friends, our friends do this, our friends do that. And if our friends do it, then we're going to do it. If our friends drink it, we're going to drink it. If our friends smoke it, we're going to smoke it. If our friends watch it, we're going to watch it. If our friends stop believing, we're going to stop believing. And my question is, do, do you have friends on the throne of your heart that your friends are determining that who's leading you? What's, what's capturing your attention that's stealing you from focusing on your purpose? And let me just say this, a, a distracted leader is an ineffective leader. A distracted king is an ineffective king. A distracted mother is an ineffective mother. A distracted husband is an ineffective husband. I can tell when the message is hitting home because it gets really quiet in this charismatic church. It's hitting. It's hitting. The more distracted we are, the less effective we are. The currency of success, the currency of spiritual health this year will come down to focus. It will come down to focus. So maybe for some of us, it's Netflix and Disney Plus, or it's Amazon Prime, or it's TV. We just got to have TV. We're just consuming all of the shows. And so you're like, yeah, I know I'm royalty. I've been watching The Crown. I've been binging on The Crown and Downton Abbey. I've been binging on Friends, the TV show, and The Office. I've been studying leadership from Michael Scott. And I got it all. And I got The Mandalorian. And I got Amazon Prime. Paul, I binge on everything. Those shows sit on the throne of my schedule. And I put in my time this week with, with Disney and with Netflix. How about with God? 
How about with your family? How about with your discipleship group? Your life will move in the direction of your attention. Are you paying attention? Ask that person next to you, are you paying attention? (laughs) Food. Oh, man. I love food. Food and me are friends. (laughs) But here's what I know about food. I'm in a fast right now. How many of y'all are doing a fast right now? Fasting something, okay? Fasting, giving up something. And this last week, I was craving peanut M&Ms and Mountain Dew. And And then I was driving past Popeye's, and I was like, oh, I could really go for one of those chicken sandwiches. You know, I'm just, I'm driving by and and I have certain things that I'm giving up for this season so that I can seek God more. And if food drives my behavior, if I just give in to every impulsive desire, like is Krispy Kreme running your life or is the Holy Spirit? And if you feel like, man, I just, oh, Paul, you're hurting me with this. I came for you to lift me up and for you to just remind me the crown on my head. The crown only stays on the head of the one who has the leadership to carry it. Heavy is the crown that sits on the head, the man, the woman that recognizes I have a responsibility and responsibility requires sacrifice and sacrifice means I have to deny what my flesh wants and I've got to feed what my spirit needs. For some of us in this room, oh, I I put this down there. I got one, two, three, four kids. I love my kids. My kids are amazing. They don't distract me, but (laughs) they crave my attention. It's never enough. I'll give them all the attention in the world. I'll, I'll just hang out with them. I'll be there with them. I'll be present. And it's still not enough. And they're like, we want more. We want all of your eyes and ears and heart on us. And I love Liam, Benny, Mac, and Ellie. But my kids need the best version of me, which means that there's going to be time that I carve out where I'm seeking God and I am saying, not right now. Not right now. There's going to be time where I carve out to be with my wife. Because, listen, if I pay all of my attention to the kids when I'm at the house, guess where that attention is being cost somewhere else? With my marriage, with my wife. And they need, to, they need to see a healthy relationship with mommy and daddy, which means that I've got to carve time out with their mom where it's undivided attention. Again, we've got to recognize who's running our life, who is leading, who is managing our time, who is, uh, where, where should we be going? Listen, this is important. This is so important. But there is one thing that needs to sit on the throne of my heart, and that is Jesus Christ. That is a relationship with God. Because what good am I as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, if I'm not spending personal time with Jesus? If I'm not carving undivided attention out for those things that will help me be the best dad that I can be? For some of us, it's work or it's social media. This one right here. This one right here is a distract. How many of y'all get distracted by Instagram? Come on, be honest. You just, you delete it from your phone and then you re-upload it later on that night. You're like, I hate you. But okay, come back. Let me see what's going on in Paul's life, Susie's life, Daniel's life. And it stirs, up, it stirs up comparison. It stirs up jealousy. But most of all, it's a distraction. It's just a time waster. And we've got to get to those things to go, you know what? It's okay to have, a, lo- a lot of these things it's okay to have in your life, but just Put them down the list of how much attention you give them. Give these guys a big hand one more time. Thank you. The most important person you lead is you. And the biggest hindrance in leading you is the distractions that come your way. 
if only Saul in the Bible, the first king of Israel, before Saul was even elected as king, the people of Israel, they had been led by King Jesus. I mean, God was their king. They were led all through from, from, from Egypt, out of Egypt, into the wilderness, into the promised land. They didn't have a king like all the other nations. But in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4, this is what started the initiation of electing Saul as their first king. All the elders of Israel gathered together, and they came to Samuel, the prophet, at Ramah. And they said this to him, you are old? That's mean. And then they said, your sons don't follow your ways. Now appoint us a king to lead us, just like all the other nations around us. In other words, they were like, we've been scrolling on Instagram, and we want what they have. We want the house they live in. We want the car they drive. We want their backyard. I wish that I was like them. You're never in a healthy place when you're dealing with comparison. You're, ne like, you're never in a healthy state when you are distracted by what other people have and you start wishing what you had was what they had. And they said, give us what the other nations have. And then Samuel, his heart was broken in the next verse. And he was so, he's so hurt by this. But God spoke to him and said, listen. The people are not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting me as their king. So God gave them the worst thing he could give them. He gave them what they wanted. That could be the worst thing that happens to you this year, that you get what you want. But when you get what you want, you find out it's not what you need. So they got Saul. And Saul, was, Saul gets a bad rep. He gets this reputation that he was a jealous king, that he was a distracted king, that he was a mean, evil king who tried to spear David. But Saul started off as a good king. He had a prophetic word on his life that he would lead Israel, that he would carry Israel into their best days yet. And this king was going to do great things. Can I tell you, that is the word over your life today. The prophetic word over you is that you will do great things, that you have a leadership anointing on your life. But you and I, we are not exempt from what Saul faced. All of us will face moments, tests, tests on whether we'll be focused on what God's called us to do. I remember when I was in high school and um, I sat next to the window, which is a bad place to sit when you're a distracted person. And then we were on the second floor in Victor Christian School, and I was in Mr. Art Page's math class, and he's teaching math, and I'm just looking out the window, just counting the airplanes flying by. And all of a sudden, he gets up in front of my desk, and he goes, hey there, sunshine. <laughs> and I go, hey. And he goes, what you looking at, sunshine? I said, the sun and the airplanes, and he goes, anything else, sunshine? I said, yeah, I was imagining if ninjas broke into our school, I'd take my desk, I'd break the glass window, I'd get everyone out, I'd beat up the ninjas, I'd tie jackets together and create a rope, and he goes, I'm going to stop you right there, sunshine. And he said, did you hear anything I just said over these last 10 minutes? And I said, no. And he said, it's test time. And he started passing out tests. And I leaned over to my classmates and I said, can you guys help me out? And they said, nope, sunshine, this is all on you. <laughs> I flunked my test. And I think that's what I'm trying to say here is that there's material that God's asking you to pay attention to because there's a test coming. There's a test coming. There's quizzes coming. There's things that you're going to need the attention you give to God, the attention you give to God's word, the attention you give to, to the people that God has called you to focus on. 
And we live in a world of multitasking, and it is a myth. The idea that you can multitask and that everything's going to flourish as you multitask. Paul, I can wash the dishes. I can fold clothes, watch a movie with my family, have my phone out over here, scroll through Netflix, scroll through Instagram, and then I've got music playing on Sonos over there, and I am, I am multi. I got seven things rolling here, and I'm changing diapers for the one-year-old over there, and the five-year-old sitting over there, and I can do this, and I can do this, and do and, and it's going to cost you somewhere. At some point, you got to turn off the noise. You got to put your phone on airplane mode. And you got to be present if you really want to see his presence show up with power in your life. You've got to learn to pay attention. Focus is a new superpower in 2020. Oh, focus is a new. You, your, your coworkers are about to see a superhero at work. As you start focusing, it is a weapon against distraction. It's a weapon against discouragement. It's a weapon against comparison. It's a weapon against jealousy. It's a weapon against envy. It's a weapon against complacency. It's a weapon against laziness. When you get focused on the very thing God's called you to do, you start becoming the most effective person in the room. The most effective, successful people in this next year will be those who've mastered the art of paying attention to what really matters. What really matters? Proverbs 16, verse 20 says, pay attention to what you are taught and you will be successful. In other words, the key to success, the key to victory is paying attention to the words of God. Trust in the Lord and you will be blessed. Proverbs 4 uh, or, or Proverbs 19:20 says, "Pay attention to advice and accept the correction of God so that you can live sensibly." I recognize that when I'm paying attention, like the other day I was walking with my two boys, Liam and Benny, and uh, our two oldest sons, and I just picked him up from school right before Christmas break. And when I picked Benny up, he had this big knot on his head, purple big knot. I said, "What happened?" He said, "I ran into a kid at recess. Neither of us were paying attention. We just went, and our heads collided." I go, "Oh, Benny." I'm sorry. And he's like telling me this story. No joke. He's telling me the story. We're walking outside. There's a massive pole. And I, he's telling me the story. And he just goes. <laughs> and he smacked. And the other side of his head. And I tried not to laugh. But I was like. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he goes. Oh, why does this always happen to me? You know. It was like a sitcom. He was like. Not again on the same day. And we get in the car. And he goes. Daddy. How come I'm always running into stuff? I said, I can relate to you, Benny. I hit my head a lot as a kid, and I turned out okay. <laughs> I go, you're going to make it. You know, I, I busted my head open a few times. I said, but here's, here's what it is. Um, you got to pay attention to where you're going. Now, how many of y'all heard that as a kid? You got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. Proverbs 4, verse 25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyes look straight ahead. The currency is focus. Our greatest commodity is focus. Look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. The message version put it like this. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. And oftentimes, we're not walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of distractions. And it's on our left, and it's on our right, and it's screaming for your attention. It's like the second you get on the internet to just look for the very thing you need to look at, pop up, pop up, pop up, pop up, click here. 
very thing that you're trying to use to get more effective has now become the chief distraction in your life. And it's costing us. It's costing us. And so I want to give you four things to pay attention to. Four things that I think costed kings and queens their very rule and reign. They would rise and fall based on their attention span. Your attention span will determine your leadership span. Your attention span will determine how long you reign and how long you are able to lead in the thing that God's called you to do. Number one, pay attention to your purpose. When King Saul became the king, he was focused, he was leading, he was prophesying, he was moving in the spiritual realm with power and authority until he got distracted from his purpose. And the second he started thinking, my purpose is to build a great reputation about me. So that people will remember Saul. That's when it started to all fall. He started caring more about what people thought instead of what God thought. He started caring more. He thought his purpose was creating a great reputation, creating a great empire. When in reality, all of us, our purpose is to bring glory to God, to be good stewards with the gifts he's given us and the people he's given us. But Saul forgot his purpose. He got distracted. And the next thing we know, David starts succeeding right next to Saul. And and the rest of Saul's life, he spends his life chasing David. Get this. In, In 1 Samuel 18, it says, after Saul heard people shouting, you know, David has slayed his tens of thousands. Saul has slayed his thousands. From that moment on, it says, Saul kept a close watch on David. In fact, in verse 29, it says, for the rest of Saul's life, he remained an enemy of David. In other words, his purpose was no longer to bring glory to God. His purpose was to beat David, to stop David. He was distracted. And you can't run a race looking this way. You can't, you can't, like, did you guys ever see that picture of Michael Phelps swimming at the Olympics? And there's this one swimmer who's right behind him and his eyes are just staring at Michael Phelps and Michael's eyes are just straight ahead and he's just whooping all the other swimmers. It was a great meme on the power of focus. When you get focused, you are your most effective. When you get focused on your purpose and your lane, you become the most effective you that God created you to be. Again, New Testament, Jesus got fixed on Jerusalem. He set his face like a flint. He was focused on his purpose and he went to the cross for you and for me. And we would not have Calvary today. We would not have the blood that washes away our sins and that heals our sickness and disease if it wasn't for the focus that Jesus carried to the cross. He didn't let anyone distract him. Even his disciples tried to talk him out of it. He said, no, I am set on my purpose. If you're going to be effective this year, you got to pay attention to your purpose. Your purpose is not to scroll through Instagram every day for hours of your day. Your purpose is not to be tuned out on Netflix hours in your day. It's okay to have some entertainment. It's okay to have some social media. But it's not okay for it to just zap you of your time and your energy and your attention. Number two, pay attention to your people. Now, this is important right here. God has put people in your life that he has called you to steward those relationships well. I was sitting with my grand-grand for lunch. This was over a year ago. We were sitting together at a restaurant. I had asked her to go to lunch with me. And she's sitting across from me, and she's telling me stories about her life, her day. And I felt bad because the entire time my phone kept buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. Bzz, 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 bzz. Turn off your notifications, by the way. (laughs) But I didn't. I had them all on. And I learned something that day. After 30 minutes of just checking my phone, checking it, responding, 
Yes, yeah, yeah, grand, grand. Yeah. That, yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever talked to someone who was physically there, but they weren't mentally there? Emotionally there. They weren't spiritually there. They were, their body was in the room, but they were looking at the airplane, sunshine. They were imagining what they would do, fighting off the bad guys, or they were just on their phone. And my grand grand said, I'm ready to leave now. And I go, oh, why are you being cold? She said, because you're not paying attention to me. And in that moment, I go, oh, I'm so sorry, grand grand. She said, it's okay. You can take me home now. I said, if I turn my phone off, can I spend 30 more minutes with you? And she said, if you turn your phone off. I said, yes, ma'am. And I turned it off. And I just was giving Grand Grand my undivided attention. I think healing would happen this year in relationships that you've been craving healing to happen in. If you just gave your undivided attention. Just turn off the phone. Turn off the television. Get it out of the bedroom. Give your undivided attention to the relationships, the people. Pay attention to your people. You have people in your life that love you. You have people that need you. My kids, my wife, my family, our church. I've got to pay attention so that that way I don't lose the relationships God's called me to steward. And I've got to give, and you've got to pay attention to the people you're surrounding yourself with. Some of you are headed down a, a distracted path because you've surrounded yourself. There's a king in the Bible, Rehoboam. And as long as he followed the, the ways of his father, David, the ways of his grandfather, David, he would succeed. But he surrounded himself with foolish young guys that got him to smoke what they smoked, drink what they drank, do what they did, run where they ran, hang out with the ladies they hang out with. And it ruined his nation. It ruined his influence. Your life will go in the direction of your attention. And the second category is paying attention to your people, the people you surround yourself with. Number three. Pay attention to his presence. His presence is everything. His presence, the presence of God is everything. It is everything. It deserves our attention. It deserves our affection. It deserves undivided focus. It grieves me at times. It grieves me when I do it, when when I'm in God's presence and I just get distracted. And God, I just can feel his heart going, if you only just put your phone down, if you only just turn, turn it on airplane mode, download the Bible on your phone and then turn everything off and just stay right there. Just put on the worship song. And I always recognize when the Holy Spirit is not condemning me, he's convicting me. It's not guilt. He's just saying, Paul, 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 Mary, 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 Martha, Martha, Martha. You're distracted by so many things. Mary's found this one thing, this one thing, just to sit in the presence of Jesus, just to sit there. Why? Because his presence gives you power. His presence gives you clarity. His presence gives you vision. A 2020 victory requires 2020 vision. And a 2020 vision requires 2020 focus. And 2020 focus requires you to be in his presence, paying attention to the presence of God. When you come to church, just be here. Just be fully present. Number four, final point here, pay attention to his principles. His principles. The word principle means a foundational truth. In other words, you can't change it. It is written in the laws of the earth. Before you showed up, this principle was there. In fact, you're the result of a principle. (laughs) You and I, 
We are the result of, of the principles of biology, of sexuality, of what happens. You know, yeah, I'm not going to keep going. But the bottom line is this, sowing and reaping. It's in the earth. It's a law. You can't, like farmers understand this way better than Christians do at times. They know I can't get apple trees on my farm unless I plant apple seeds. I can't have carrots in my garden if I don't plant the right, if I don't plant the right seeds, I'm not going to reap the right heart. Like I, everything comes down to my sowing. It's the principles. When you pay attention to the principles of God, it means you start lining your life up to go, I'm going to be careful to sow good seeds this year. I'm going to be care- part of the principles in God's word. God said to Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 8, meditate on my word day and night. And if you pay attention to my word, and if you obey my word, it's a law written in the earth, you will be successful. You will prosper everywhere you go, every place your foot touches. You will take territory and you will have great success. It's a principle. Okay, so Saul ends up living distracted. The latter part of his life, the best part of his life, he's distracted. David becomes king. But listen, before David was appointed as king, he was anointed. And when Samuel the prophet came looking for the next king of Israel, in 1 Samuel 16, all the brothers were inside the house of their father Jesse. But where was the youngest brother David at? He was in the field with his sheep. He was focused on his task. He was focused on his purpose. He was doing the last thing his father told him to do. Some of us in this room, we're going, man, if God would just give me some new assignment, some new thing, he's going, I'm just asking you to be faithful with the last thing I asked you to do. Get your hiney to church. Get your Bible open. Pray. Be faithful in your job. Forgive the people who have ticked you off, who have made you want to cuss. Just forgive them. Just for, let it go. Just do the last thing I told you to do. But God, I'm so angry. I need a new assignment. God goes, no, you need to be faithful with the last assignment I asked you to do. And if you do that, as David was faithful in the field that God called him to be faithful in, he was appointed as king. And in 1 Samuel 17, he moved from that faithfulness of, of taking care of his dad's sheep. Anytime there was a lion or a bear, he would defend the sheep. He would kill the lion, kill the bear. He was courageous. And, and God was growing David in the university of brokenness to become the greatest king that Israel would have before Jesus. And so then David finds himself on a, another field and there's a Goliath coming at him and you're going to face some Goliaths in, in 2020. There's going to be some Goliaths that come at you, but I want you to know you've been prepared. You've taken down lions. You've taken down bears and Goliath is going to fall in 2020. Goliath is coming down. God is restoring the royal in the church. This is the roaring 20s. Roar! God's going to give you boldness and courage to chase the lions, to take down the giants this year. David was single-minded. He was focused. He said, that giant needs to fall, and he's got to fall today. We can't wait another day. The longer we wait, the bigger he gets. And the longer we procrastinate and the longer we live distracted, the more this giant continues to rule the land and we are called to reign in life and we've got to take down these strongholds today. So David takes him down and then David becomes king of Israel and he does a great job for a while until 2 Samuel 11. David gets distracted. In the time when kings would go off to war, 2 Samuel 11 verse 1, in the time when kings would go off to war, David stayed home. And when David stayed home, he got distracted. It says that David was out on his palace and he was looking over the terrace 
and when he should have been out at war, at the time when husbands go to pray, at the time when mothers get up to pray, at the time when, when business owners get into the discipleship class, at the time when you were supposed to be at church, when he was supposed to be somewhere that God had called him to be, he was distracted. And he went out on the terrace, and when he saw Beyonce, or I mean Bathsheba, when he saw Bathsheba, he saw that woman, and he, he said, I got to get that woman. That distraction stole his attention, <laughs> and uh, he never really recovered from that. He repented. He did repent, and in one way he did recover, but it caused a fallout in his family. It caused him to commit a murder. After this affair that he had, this adultery he committed with a married woman, he kills her husband. And next thing he knows, he's at war with his son and his family. They're killing each other. There's crazy crimes that happen after David's distraction. You're, the danger of distraction is it doesn't just affect you. It affects your family. It affects everyone around you. So David repents. Praise God for repentance. Repentance is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It draws us closer to God. It gets our focus back on track. So David says, God, I'm sorry. I sinned against you. Please forgive me. And God forgives him. But forgiveness does not always eliminate the consequences of distraction. So the consequences led to a baby being born that actually was a blessing for David and Bathsheba. Solomon. Solomon grows up hearing the stories about his father, David, running from King Saul, the wicked king, the distracted king, the jealous king. And Solomon asks stories, Dad, how, how did I come into the picture? And somewhere along the journey, David had to tell Solomon the story about his mother and the story about who his father would have been. And, and David has to explain all of this to Solomon. And then one day, David hands the keys to the kingdom to Solomon. Now, Solomon's the third king of Israel. And, and next week, whoa, it's going to be so good. Don't miss part two of Kings and Queens. This, this series is about to go off. I feel like the Holy Spirit's about to download some, some powerful things in our church through this series. But when Solomon becomes king, he's the wealthiest man. He's the wisest man. He asks God for wisdom instead of money, instead of women, instead of the heads of his enemies. He says, just give me wisdom. I want to lead well. I want to lead well. He gets it. And he's following it at first until, until he gets distracted. The same guy who said, don't look to the left or to the right. He wrote Proverbs, one of the best books on leadership. He wrote it. And the same guy who said, stay focused, keep your eyes straight ahead, pay attention to what your father told you, pay attention to the words of God. In 1 Kings 11, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. There is the distraction. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites, the very people God said, I'm calling you to be focused here, Israel. In order to be focused, if you get into these other relationships, other marriages, they're going to turn your attention away from me. They're going to turn your heart towards other gods, other distractions. Nevertheless, Solomon loved his distractions more than he loved God. And he had 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines, and his wives led his attention astray. As Solomon got older, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. And he followed after these detestable idols. In verse 6, so all Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow God completely. Would you stand your feet all over this room? 
It seems sobering to see that three kings all dealed with distraction. Three kings all dealt with it. And it is sobering because we, we can all learn from these three kings. One was distracted by jealousy. One was distracted by lust. One was just distracted by more, like he just wanted more, 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 more. And if we don't get a hold of focusing on what really matters, we'll follow in their footsteps. But I'm so thankful for the king of kings that would show up, that would, would lead better than any other king in Israel. And that king would pay for you and I, pay for our sins. He would pay the ultimate price. And he would give us the authority to reign in life. Going back to what Paul said in Romans 5, 17. If one man's sin led to the death and defeat that even kings like David and Solomon fell, that started off right, but now through one man's grace and one man's gift of righteousness, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, we can reign in life. We can reign over our minds. We can take authority over what we're giving attention to. We can get our focus back. And if we can get our focus back, we can be effective this year. We can have victory this year. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, maybe you're here today and maybe you've just been dealing with distraction. You've just lost focus. Maybe you're here right now and there's some things in your life, some people in your life that need your attention, that need your undivided attention. Maybe it's God. He's just saying, man, if you only, young lady, if you only gave me your undivided attention, if you only knew this season is not a season to search for a man, but rather to search for the presence of God. If you only knew that this is not a season to try to date another guy or date another girl, but rather to just seek God more, to know him more, to, to follow in his ways more. If you only realized what God has in store for you, all the great things, it comes down to focusing on what really matters, your purpose, your people, his presence, his principles all over this room from the front to the back. If you're here today and you just need to get realigned in your focus, you just need to shut down some distractions in your life. You need to shut the door on the distractions of the enemy. He's in no hurry to destroy you if he can just distract you. If that's you today and you just, you just need to get your mind and your heart focused again on what really matters, I want you to raise your hand. If that's you all over this room, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, yes, yes. From the front to the back, all over the room, you're saved, you know God, but you just have been distracted lately. And it's been hurting you, it's been discouraging you, it's been, it's been stopping you from succeeding and being effective in those ways you need to be. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right with God. I, I've not just been distracted, I've drifted from God. I, maybe you're here today and you've never known God, you've never surrendered to God, but today is your day to put your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and he rose from the dead for you and he wants to be your Lord and Savior today, if that's you, if you need to get right with Jesus, just raise your hand. You're saying, I need to surrender. I need to let Jesus be Lord of my life. I want to be saved. I want to know that I'm going to heaven someday, and I want to live my life here on this earth for the glory of God. If you raised your hand just now, or you raised your hand earlier, or you need prayer, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar right here, right now. Come on, we're going to cheer on. Today is a day of new beginnings. Today is a day of fresh starts. Today is a day that you say, no longer will I live distracted. No longer will I give in to those distractions that the enemy's trying to throw my way. Come on, we're gonna keep cheering. I believe today there's marriages that, that are coming down to this altar. There's husbands that are coming down to this altar. There's wives coming down to this altar. 
For some of you, the distraction has been a sinful thing and you know it, your family knows it, but today you're saying, I'm repenting. David repented and when he repented, God forgave him. God forgave him and God allowed David to finish strong. God's gonna allow you to finish strong. God allowed David to hand the keys of the kingdom to one of his kids. God's gonna forgive you, but you've gotta be repentant. Brokenness is the pathway towards healing, towards restoration. Just saying, Lord, I see it. I've been distracted in some things. So as you come down to this altar, just close your eyes at this altar. God's gonna meet you right there. I truly believe that there is a roar coming in this decade, in the 20s. There's a, there's a spiritual roar of renewal in the church, revival, like reformation, like Martin Luther, just God's gonna start doing something powerful in and through his church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in this church, in this city, in, in, and I believe it's gonna spread across America. I believe that 2020 in America, there's gonna be revival that breaks out. But the roar of the righteous, the roar of the bold. Bible says those who are righteous are bold as lions. The sons and daughters, the world is waiting to hear the sons and daughters of God roar and be revealed. But they know this, anyone who, like those who work with lions, they say the way to silence the roar of a lion, the way to paralyze the power of a lion is you hold a stool up and you turn the legs and you get the lion to stare at all four things. He's gonna try to multitask and if he can just keep his eyes, and what happens is it paralyzes him because a lion is only as strong as his focus. A lion's roar is only as strong as his focus. If you can take his, if you can distract him, you can paralyze him. If you can distract him, you can silence him. And what I hear God saying is, it's time that we break those distractions and we get our power back, that we get our focus back, that we get our roar back. So Lord, I just pray right now for my family members, my brothers, my sisters, my spiritual moms and dads in the room today, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, grandparents in the room, sons and daughters, teenagers, God, young boys and girls, I thank you, Lord, that we would get the roar back. We would get the courage, the boldness, the focus back. Lord, that we would live this year undistracted. God, whatever it is that, that, that distracted us last year, God, help us to stop it now before it starts again. Help us, God, to, during this time of fasting and prayer, God, help us to lean into your word, to pay attention to your presence, to pay attention, God, to your principles, to dig into your scripture, God, to apply it in our life. And as we do, I thank you there's breakthroughs coming. God, there's, there's bad habits being broken. There's addictions being broken. God, there's new, fresh things being initiated in our minds and our hearts. There's healing. There's restoration coming. There's victory coming. Just say this with me, Jesus, I surrender. I'm all yours. Renew my mind. Renew my heart. I choose to pay attention to your presence, to your principles, your purpose for my life. I repent of the distractions that I've given into, and I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead. You are my Lord and Savior. And I believe that my best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life.
because Jesus lives in me. If you believe it, say amen and amen. God bless you. I love you.